0: I thought you might enjoy, just to highlight the differences between all of us, I thought maybe you would enjoy them like I did this week, laughing alone in my office. Um, so how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Change? Who said anything about change? Come on, you got it. You got it. Uh, how many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? Well, there's 10. One to change it, and nine to sit around and talk about how good the old one was. So good, so good. How many Church of Christ people does it take to change a light bulb? None. Light bulbs are not mentioned in the New Testament and therefore they are unbiblical. So we don't do them at all. We don't that's not something we get into. Charismatics. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? One. And they hands already up and in the air, ready to go. There's, I got it. I can do it. How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? It takes ten. One to change the bulb, and nine to bind the spirit of darkness. It's a, yeah. <laughs> oh my compost is going to get us in trouble um okay how many catholics does it take to change a light bulb well none they use candles so that's not that's not they don't, they don't use they don't use that oh that's funny i don't care who you are that's, that's funny right there <laughs> it just highlights the point though we do we all come from these different experiences and all i want to try to do is get us on the same page and get us to trust him also, along with that, you know, it's the beginning of the year, and at the beginning of the year, everybody's trying to figure out what will make this year better than last year, because last year was hard. So what will make this year better? And usually it's diet or exercise or something about your career path. But what if the secret to having a better year didn't lie in just whatever sort of habits that you might tend to create or pick up along these next several months? What if the reality was that the, the year of better actually comes from developing an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit? I believe that's true you can read in john 16 7 jesus said but i tell you the truth it's better it's better for you that i go away if i for if i may not go away the comforter will not come unto you and if i go on i will send him unto you jesus says to the disciples it's going to be better if i go away it's better for you because i'm going to send the gift of the holy spirit god's spirit to inhabit your life and help you but what does that mean today Like for all of us in this room, what does the promise of something better actually mean for you and me in this room? John 14, 12, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He or she will do even greater things. Everybody say greater things. Greater things than these because I am going to the Father. (laughs) Now, this is maybe one of the most shocking statements in all of Scripture, This might be one of the most shocking statements in all the pages of history, because Jesus is saying, you will do greater things than what I've been doing. Now, just think about that for a second. This is Jesus. It's Jesus, (laughs) the greatest person who ever lived, God himself on the earth. And he says, if you have faith in me, you can do greater things than what I've been doing, which begs the question for us today, are you seeing any of that? How are you living your life today? And are you getting to see any of that in you? So I think the reality is most of us in this room, we are not in danger of ruining our lives. Like like we're gonna make those horrible, horrible life decisions that are just gonna send our life off the rails. Most of us are not in that position. But all of us actually are in danger of just wasting our lives, of never actually living up to our God-given potential. That's a possibility for everybody. Because I think all of us, we've got these places in our lives where we've kind of settled. You know, we've just decided, my marriage is okay. It's, it's plenty good. I don't really need to invest anymore. We're going to be fine. My parenting skills are fine. I don't really need to learn anything else. Uh, I, I'm going to be okay. My devotion to Jesus, it's fine where it is. I'm happy. I'm content. It's all going to be okay. And we've just kind of settled. Look, everybody, as a follower of Jesus, God has not called you to simply survive the world. He hasn't called you to just kind of plug away at your life until that day when you finally die and finish it. He has planned so much more for you. There is so much more for you to experience in your existence. There's so much more purpose to be had for you. God wants you and me here in the earth operating in his power, bringing the kingdom of God to bear on the earth. That's what you're here to do, and it's an awesome opportunity. That's what we're talking about today, because it's the power of the Holy Spirit that actually distinguishes you and me from the rest of the world. It's his power. Without his power working in us, the whole, this whole thing, everything that we're doing here, it's just a club. It's a club for us just to get together and kind of talk about, and philosophize about some moral and theological ideas. But Christianity is much, much more than that. Christianity is not a philosophical religion. Christianity is not a self-help religion. Christianity is about power. It's about having power, the power of the Spirit of God working in and through your life. You've heard this in the series already, but John 14, 16, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that may abide with you forever. That word helper in the Greek is the word parakletos, and it means, it means comforter, it means intercessor, it means advocate, it means someone who comes alongside of you. That's the role of the Spirit of God in your life. He wants to come alongside, he wants to be your advocate, and so you, you can live beyond everything that you think that you could possibly do in your own strength. You can live beyond that, and it's an amazing thing. One of the things that happens to me as a pastor is... I, I'm, I'm encounter, I encounter lots of people's difficulties in their life experience. It's one of the hardest things that I do. Is I, I sit down with people over coffee or at my office, and we talk about the really hard stuff of life. We talk about that horrendous divorce that broke the family apart. We talk about the kid that said, no, I don't, I don't want anything to do with you anymore and ran off. We talk about drugs and, and uh, alcohol addiction we talk about all these things. We talk about the kid that gets kicked out of his house at 16 years old. Like, we talk about all these kinds of difficult things, and all these things are happening because there is an enemy out there that actually does want to ruin you. He wants to kill, steal, destroy you. He's out there, and that is his chief goal in life. So I don't know about you, but there are times for me as a pastor where I don't know what to do. Like I have theological training. I have pastoral training. I have twenty years of experience, and there are times when I sit down and go, I don't know, I don't know what we're going to do, and I don't, I don't even know how to pray about this. Like I, I don't know. And in those critical situations, I start to realize I'm completely inadequate for this. Like I don't know how I'm going to help you here. I'm not going to leave you. We're going to figure it out together. But I realize something more is needed here besides me. But what? Like more what? Do we just need more? Do I need more songs? Do we need more worship? Do I need? Do I just need more dancing? Do I need more of this? This is called the charismatic two-step, by the way. This is what my dad did all my growing up years. It looked just like this. You can feel free to do that if you want to sometime, but I don't recommend it. Um, do I need a better translation of the Bible? Do I need? Do I need uh, more sermons? Give me more. Sermons. I need more podcasts in my life. No, I have plenty of those. More training and counseling? No, actually, the reality is I don't need those things. What I need is more of the Holy Spirit in me to help me. Like Zechariah 4, 6, It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're never going to have enough of what you need to be able to do what God has called you to do. Like this past weekend on Friday, I had to, I had to mow my lawn, a little overgrown, and I had to... Uh, I had to do some weed eating, and so I got this guy out. This guy's been with me for years. He's about to die, actually. But I went out there to do some work, and so I was doing it. And do you know what I did not do? I did not take this thing out by itself and just start swinging it around. I'm just going to cut those weeds down like this. I'm just going to take care of those weeds. I didn't do any of that. Why? Because that would have been totally ineffective. It wouldn't have worked. What I had to do was I had to plug it into the power. I plug it in the power and now it starts working and it's actually kind of easy. Like I could, I can, I can knock down the weeds. I can do some serious edging. I needed power. I needed more power. It's not going to work by itself. It has to have some power. Listen to it again. Oh. <laughs> okay. I needed power. Thank you, Tula, Tim, Man, Taylor. I needed, I know some of you are like, oh, weed eater? Oh, yeah, nice, that's tough, man. But I wanted a chainsaw, but my wife was like, no, you're not doing that. So, So she's right, we don't want me losing a limb up here in front of everybody, that's a bad Sunday. So here's the reality, this is just like you. Some of you are just trying to do it, you're trying to gut your way through life under your own power, under your own strength, with your own thoughts, with your own power, and instead what you really need is just to plug into the power source Because when you do it, hit me one more time. When you do it, now it's easy. Stuff's happening. I don't have to work that hard. The power is doing all the work for me. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. And that's what I'm trying to get you to. Oh, sorry. That's what I'm trying to get you to here today. To receive more power. Nobody lost any thumbs and it's a good day. The same thing's true for me. If you don't have the power of God in your life, how are you going to overcome sin and temptation? If you don't have the power of God in your life, how are you going to do the things he's calling to you to do? How are you going to overcome spiritual enemies that are trying to attack and press into your family? How are you going to endure hardship and affliction? How are you going to have the power to witness, power to speak, power to pray, power to see change and transformation in people's lives in your workplace, power to see change and transformation regionally in Kyle and San Marcus and Buta. How are you going to see that under your own strength? The answer is you won't. Right. Only through his spirit and power. But if you have it, you can do it. Look, Luke 24, 49, he says, I'm going to send what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Everybody say power. Power. (laughs) That's good. Think about the situation that the disciples were in when he said this to them. Like he's about to, he's about to ascend into heaven and they've seen everything. They've seen the miracles. They've listened to the teaching. They've sat at his feet. They've traveled with him everywhere. They know and suddenly they're realizing, oh, I get it. I get it. I get the sacrifice that he's making. I get the blood. I understand what it's for. I get that we all can receive redemption through. I get the work that he's doing. And so Jesus ascends into heaven. And so you would think that the disciples would be like, let's go. Let's get out of here. We've got to evangelize the world. Let's get started immediately. And if you've grown up in certain traditions, you would even think that Jesus would say that. What are you guys doing? Hurry up. Hey, slobs, get to work. Get out there. Tell tell the message. That's not what Jesus does. In fact Jesus does the exact opposite of that. Jesus says, wait. Just wait. Don't don't just run out and do it. Don't. Wait. Wait for my spirit. So the disciples, they go and they obediently do what Jesus asked them to do. And they're sitting there and they're worshiping and they're praying in the upper room. And then suddenly this happens in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, it came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit comes into the room, pours out on all of them, just like Jesus promised would happen. And what the prophet Joel had predicted 800 years earlier, it comes true in that moment. Joel chapter 2, 28, afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women. Hey, ladies, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. In other words, there's a new kind of ability that's available to you. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And it was this awesome power of God filling their lives that what was needed to build God's kingdom on the earth. Now, I just want you to think about their position for a second. Think about those disciples. Those guys, were they sincere believers in God? Yes, absolutely. Did they have correct doctrine? You bet they did. They sat with Jesus. Could they have gone out and preached without the Holy Spirit? Absolutely, they could have done it, but Jesus knew they weren't ready. He wasn't ready. They knew it. He wasn't ready. They weren't ready. He knew that just having a sincere heart, that wasn't going to be enough. Just having the right information, that wasn't enough. He knew the power of the enemy that they would face. He knew the discouragement and the opposition that was coming their way in the future. That's why Jesus said, wait until my power comes on you. If the Holy, if the Holy Spirit's power was needed back then, has anything really changed for us today? Is it any different for us today? Think about those guys, those first disciples. Think about them. Like these are not impressive people overall. Most of us know the failings of Peter I love Peter. He's my favorite disciple. To me, he seems like this, just a big oaf. Like, he just seems like kind of big barrel-chested. This is the way I picture him. He's a big barrel-chested guy. He's got a big gnarly beard, you know. He's got, like, some food left over from lunch always hanging out in there. Like, he's just that guy. He's always sticking his foot in his mouth. He's always saying the wrong thing. He's the guy that takes his eyes off of Jesus and he sinks into the sea. That's Peter. He's the guy that Jesus looks at him and says, hey, get thee behind me, Satan. That's a bad day. So this is Peter He's the one that denies Jesus three times. You're like, Peter, you big, dumb oaf. Like, what's wrong with you? But think about the other guys. Let's be honest. They weren't much better either. They were not educated. They were not at the top of the social structure. They were not born charismatic leaders or influencers of the day. They weren't. And Jesus, he comes along and he asks fishermen to join him and follow him. He asks a tax collector who's despised in their day to come along and follow him. Nobody had seminary teaching. None of them were religious professionals. Why would Jesus pick such a motley crew of weirdos (laughs) to be responsible for the ones to share his message with the world? Why would he do that? I think one of the reasons was for this very reason. They lacked the natural resources to be able to do it on their own. They couldn't have done it. They didn't have the obvious gifts. They didn't have the obvious talents that most people would look for. Jesus knew these guys are going to have to rely on my power. They're going to have to rely on the Spirit's power. That guy Peter, oh, there's no way he's going to be able to do it. He's an oaf. He will never be able to do it. He's going to need my power to be able to do what I have commissioned him to do. What else could they fall back on? So here comes the great news for all of us, everybody. Nowhere in the Scriptures does it say, that this kind of power is not available to us today. It is available for all of us because he is available to all of us. But why don't we see it? As you look around, why don't you see it? Like in the church, why don't you see it? In our generation, why do we not see it? I think there's two primary reasons that we don't see it. I think the first reason is because we don't really believe it, and so we don't experience it. Like, we don't actually believe, oh, I like the stories in the Bible, that, that's cute, that's cool, that's quaint, I like, I like reading those. But that was then, this is now. This is America, 21st century, like, it's different now. We don't really believe it. Or if we take the step of believing that this is true, then it's not true for me. Oh, that's true for the pastor. He's so godly. He has weed eaters on stage. Like, he, obviously, God would use him, right? I know, it's ridiculous, but that is what some of you think. That's not for me, that's for them. That's not true, this is for everybody. He wants to use you just like this. I think we don't believe it, so we don't experience it. I also think that we lose sight of what the Holy Spirit's power is really for. We just kind of grew up in a tradition where we saw weird stuff, so we go, oh, so, um, yeah, that's like he comes and you like, get knocked over on the ground or something. Isn't that what happens? You get knocked over the ground and you lay there and maybe you cry or laugh or something and then somebody prays for you. I don't know, that seems like that's what the Holy Spirit's power is for. That's not what it's for. The Holy Spirit is power for better, power to help you. And I want to cover just a few things today before we go. The first that I want you to remember today is the Holy Spirit is power, and he's power to help you live righteously. He's power to actually help you live a righteous life, the life that you desire to live, the life that he desires you to live. You don't have to do it by yourself. He's the power to actually help you do it. Some of us are trying to just grit our way through life. I'm trying to read the scriptures as best I can. I'm trying to pray as best I can. Um, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to avoid temptation. I'm trying to keep my anger in check, but my co-workers are jerks, so I can't do it. Like, I'm just trying everything that I can, but but there's no actual transformation happening inside of here. It's all external, and so it never really changes. You can't do it in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2, 1. When I came to you, brothers, Paul said, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Do you see that phrase? A demonstration of the spirit's power what does that mean that word power in the greek it's the word dunamis it occurs 120 times in the new testament and it means force might strength literally it means power through god's ability power through god's ability so that's how paul sets this whole thing up but then he continues on in the book and he says uh, to the church in corinth he says chapter 3 he talks about divisions in the church Chapter four, he talks about prideful attitudes toward others. Chapter five, immorality in the church. Chapter six, lawsuits among believers. Chapter seven, marriage and singleness. Chapter eight, not being a stumbling block to weak Christians. He talks about all those things. After this discussion of dunamis, power, power through God's ability, what's he doing? These are not discussions about the miraculous. The stuff that he's talking about after that, it is the mundane, humdrum stuff of everyday life. That's exactly what Paul is trying to say. He's talking about the demonstration of the Spirit's power in your everyday life. He wants to work with you in your everyday. This power, it's not something that's just displayed in miracles, but also in the daily grind of life. Moms, when you're up early in the morning trying to make breakfast for people, get lunches together, kids are running around screaming, they're fighting. That kid's got no socks on. Why do they never have socks on? Why can they never find shoes? I don't understand it. What's the deal? And you're just having the worst day. The Holy Spirit is, yes, power in that moment for you to do the job that you're called to do, to raise those kids in power. When you've got issues at work and you can't figure it out and your coworkers are bickering and you're stuck at a dead end and you can't figure out the way forward on a project that you're working on, he is literal power for you to be able to do what he's called you to do in that workspace. This is what we're talking about, power for everyday life. Jesus said, he also said the Spirit will guide you into all truth. He's going to talk to you. He'll lead you forward. He's going to help you. So you're not just reminding yourself, do a good job, be a better person, do better, be kinder, stop being angry, don't yell, or trying to avoid temptation. Oh, I want to stop it, but I just stop it. You don't have to do that. He's there to help you. You know what? I saw an amazing picture of this this week. Like, I had no idea this existed. Have you ever heard of Ted Rath? Ted Rath is the get-back coach for the Rams, so, so Sh- Sean McVeigh has this guy that actually helps him. I didn't know this was a thing, but I just wanted to show it to you because the Holy Spirit is just like this. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't know this was a thing. It's amazing, Sean McVay. I, I'm like, bro, can you just look? Like, just watch. I don't understand what's going on. Will that help them on Sunday? I don't know. But, but listen, th- this is the way the Holy Spirit is. There, there's interference. There's stuff stuff's coming your way. You're you're in the way. You don't see it. You're focusing on other things. Holy Spirit comes along and says, "Oh, right over here." Hey, come on, man, get out of the way. There's some temptation coming your way. Oh, come on over here. Let me help you out. You're going to say something mean to your wife. Oh, you don't want to do that, bro. She's a good lady. You don't want to do it. It's exactly what I'm talking about. He is the power for you to live righteously. Stop trying to do it on your own. He's power to help you. In fact, he'll even help you make decisions. Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way I want you to go. Come on, let's go together. The Holy Spirit is power for the everyday, for your way of life, for interacting with one another. He's power to help you settle fights and disputes. He's power to help you work through tough issues in your marriages. He's power for you to wait for the right person to come along so you don't jump the gun and get married to some loser. He's not, he's gonna help you. He helps us deal with our disappointments. He helps us when we're really strong. He'll do those things for you. He's power to help you live righteously. That's not the only thing. He's also power to help you live supernaturally. And I love this idea. Look, you can live your life naturally if you want to. That's that's fine. If you want to just live in the natural, help yourself. I don't want to do it. I want to live with something else. You weren't meant to. I wasn't meant to live just under my own strength. You were called and meant to live a different kind of life in the supernatural. Most of us can agree together that Jesus lived a supernatural life when he was on the earth, right? He walked around, he did incredible teaching, and he, did, he performed miracles, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, and then he said, you can do even greater things than these. Acts 10.38, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's you. It didn't just stop with him, that's you. Look, everybody, I don't want to just have church. I don't. I'm not interested in showing up here with you every Sunday and just singing some nice songs and having a nice cup of coffee, having a few quaint conversations, and then moving on. I don't want that life. I want to see transformation in the lives of people. I want to see this Holy Spirit actually move and work and dig deep and excavate stuff that's inside and fill up stuff that needs to be filled and actually provide life change and transformation for people. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I don't want you to just go to work, kind of do your stuff, then go home, eat some dinner, watch some Netflix, and then go to bed and then get up and repeat it again. You were meant for more than that. You were meant for a life of purpose beyond that the Holy Spirit helping you to see God's kingdom come on the earth now, today, in your family, in your workplace. This is what you're doing here. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, we already read it, but he said, Paul said, my message in preaching, they weren't with wise and persuasive words. They weren't with, with uh, light bulb jokes. That's, that's not what I came with. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, the dunamis power of God, so that your faith might not rest on, on some light bulb jokes, <laughs> I like that guy. He's funny. It wouldn't rest on that. Instead, it would rest on God's power. I want that for our church. So come on, take this journey with us. Let's get your marriage healed up. Let's get your kids fixed up and back together with your family. Let's move forward. Let's excavate the stuff and the addiction. Let's find some health so that you can then step out somewhere and begin to do what God's called you to do. We just had a great story uh, yesterday on at Healing on the Streets. You saw the training at 2 o'clock today. The healing on the streets on Saturday. They were out of the bridge downtown Austin. Some guy came and he sat down in the chair. He had back pain. He sat down in the chair. They prayed for him. He stood up with no back pain. He left with no pain. Like it's happening. Miracles are happening. It's, it's real. It's a reality. This is not fake. This is not mumbo jumbo. This is not just pie in the sky stuff that I'm presenting to you. This is the way that Jesus has called all of us to live. And what a great opportunity it is. It's happening. The final thing. He'll give you power to live righteously. He'll give you power to live supernaturally. And he'll give you power to live on mission. To live on mission. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. This is Jesus getting the scroll of Isaiah and standing up to read it. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And Jesus said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I love this because it's like, it's like Jesus dropped the scroll moment. You know what I'm saying? Like he reads it, yeah. Today, this is me. You're seeing it. But notice why the power of the Holy Spirit was on Jesus. To bring good news to the poor who have very little earthly hope. To free the prisoners, people bound to sin and addiction and the enemy. To recover sight for the blind, like to help people actually see. Yes, figuratively and literally. To release the oppressed, people stuck in bondage. And to deliver the message of salvation that God wants everybody to hear and experience his love and life for them. That's why the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus so amazingly. And that's why God sent the Holy Spirit to empower the disciples in the upper room and sends the Holy Spirit for you to have him in your life today. So you can do this stuff. You can do it. Acts chapter one, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're gonna be my witnesses. You'll be my witness in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's like saying, hey, you're gonna be my witnesses in Kyle, in Austin, in Texas, in America and across the world, you're gonna be my witnesses. But what is a witness really? A witness is simply somebody who clearly and plainly tells what they have seen and heard. That's all a witness is. Some of you get so freaked out about the idea of sharing the wonders of God with people. All you're doing is telling plainly and simply what you have seen and heard. Witnesses don't write the story. They don't make up the story. They don't embellish the story. They simply tell what they have experienced themselves. That's all you have to do. So if you think that's crazy, like I could never do it, if you're like, I could never step into the cubicle of my coworker and say, oh, I wanna tell you something about God. Oh, I could never do that. Yes, you can. You just need the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to help you do it. He said, hey, I want you to go into all the world. That's what we're called to do. But it starts in our neighborhoods. It starts in our workplaces. And you need the Holy Spirit to do it. If you think I could never step across the driveway to my neighbor, he's such a weirdo. I don't know if I could do it. And how would I have that conversation? You just need the Holy Spirit. He gives you the words. He'll help you do it. He said, I'll give you power so that you can be my witness. Not just stepping up to the to the neighbor to say, oh, let me just, uh, well, I'm just kind of, I'm going to try to tell you some theological principles. Are you ready? No. I want to tell you what Jesus has done for me, and what He can do for you. Power to be witnesses. This is what we're all called to do. The Holy Spirit's power was not given to us so that we could have exciting, tingly, feel good meetings. Oh, I love Sunday because it gets exciting, and oh, I got a goosebump. Oh, the Holy Spirit must be really moving. No. That's not the way that this works. The power of the Holy Spirit was given so that we could go out and reach the world with the gospel of Jesus. So that we could see the kingdom of God, all of God's future that he has for every person, making everything right in his world. That's what we get to do and we get to start now. Not waiting for the day when he comes back. We get to partner with him and do it now. When we lose sight of this, God's heart of love for the world, God's heart of love for cities, God's heart of love for neighborhoods, when we lose sight of it, we'll experience very little of the Holy Spirit's power because we're on a different page than God is. In fact, I think this is true. Too many of us, we don't experience his power in and through our lives because we're rarely doing what Jesus commissioned us to do. Well, I don't know. I don't think he's interested in me. I mean, I, I, watched, I watched two seasons on Netflix and I was not empowered to do so. That's not what he's calling you to. It's the people who are going out with healing on the streets, stepping out on the water, taking a risk, and the Holy Spirit shows up. Why? Because they're doing the work that he's commissioned us to do. Uh, This is not a slam. This is not a knock on anybody. This is simply an encouragement that I hope you'll hear from a heart of love. I believe in us, and I believe that this is what Jesus is calling all of us to. And I believe that you can do it because you don't have to do it under your own mind or your own strength or your own power. You're gonna do it through the Holy Spirit who is power, God's power for you to do it. Why don't you guys come on up? I love this so much, and our church has taken a major journey, and it's really fun. And I wanna highlight a couple things for you as they come. Some of you have had those bad experiences, and I want you to know, as I'm talking about this, some of you get nervous. It does not have to be weird. It does not have to be crazy. It does not have to be out of control. The Holy Spirit simply wants to partner with you to do some stuff in the earth. And I've also seen this over time, that when people start getting into this and and people start grasping the reality of the Holy Spirit, sometimes there is a air of pride that develops in people i bet you've experienced it you're talking to somebody and you haven't really had a major encounter with the holy spirit and you've never been filled baptized by the holy spirit and so they kind of look at you and they say oh you haven't been filled with the holy spirit oh it's too bad you're missing out on something there's this prideful thing that they get where it seems like oh i'm i'm better than you because i have this experience and you don't but maybe one day you'll be like me i just want to be really clear that that sort of mentality has no place in this teaching or in this church in fact people have had real encounters with the holy spirit what happens is humility <laughs> love joy peace that's what happens And so as we go on this journey and and many of you decide, yeah, man, I want more. I I really want more of the Spirit of God in my life to help me live this life. As we do this, I want you to remember something. And it'll kind of become, hopefully, the mantra of our church that being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, it makes me better than me. (laughs) Because that's what I need. I know me. I know that I'm weak. I know that my thought process isn't always what it should be. I know that I don't always speak to my wife or my children the way that I should. I, I, I just know that I, sometimes I have issues. And being filled with the Spirit of God, it doesn't make me better than anybody else. It just makes me better than me. And suddenly I have the power to live righteously. I have the power to live supernaturally. I have the power for my life to be on mission in the world. Because He's working on me. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Some of you, as I'm talking about having an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, some of you, that's a it seems like a far cry. And it's because you don't really have any sort of relationship with God at all. And I just want you to know today that He's inviting you into one. And He's already done everything that's required for you to have an incredible close and intimate friendship with god the reality is is that all of us have sinned and we fall short of god's glory scripture is real clear about that i'm a sinner you're a sinner and because we've had sin in our lives and because god is perfect in every way sin can't be with god and so our sin it separates us from god it takes us out we fall short and so god seeing the problem said Well, I'm going to send my only son, part of me, myself, God the Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, God himself coming in flesh. I'm going to send my son into the world, and he's going to pay the price for all that sin. He's going to pay it. And so he gives his life willingly and freely on the cross, and his blood shed, it makes the way forward so that all of your sin, all of my sin, can be covered by that sacrifice. And so God the Father looks at you and sees his son Jesus and you are restored to relationship with the Father. That is available for everybody and it's a free gift. And so today, maybe that's the decision that you need to make and we want to help you. So with everybody's eyes closed, I just want to ask you the question, is that you? Do you need to make the decision today Has he been working on your heart and you've kind of been feeling it and now it's your moment and he's saying, I love you. I've done everything for you. Just come on home. Lord, I pray that across this room today that you would draw those who are far from you. Help them to see clearly how much you love them and the opportunity they have to have change and transformation as you come and rescue them just like you've rescued so many of us. So if that's you today, I just want to encourage you. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to make you do anything or go anywhere. I just want you in your seat right there, just say, God, that's me. As your moment of decision, God, that's me. And then you might just pray a simple prayer like this, a prayer of faith. And I'm going to help you with the words. You'd say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died and rose again. I believe that your blood paid the penalty for all of my sin, and I want that today. So please forgive me and help me to change. The best way I know how, I give you my entire life today. I am yours. Thank you for rescuing me. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, it's happening for you. So, God, I pray that you would draw those folks and just pull them into your love and pull them into your life and pull them into your kingdom and pull them into this body of believers and help us to really help them with next steps. Thank you. Now, for the rest of us, as we're continuing this journey of intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, I want us to simply respond to all these ideas today. Have you pushed him back? Have you relegated him off to the side? Have you stopped paying attention? Have you just decided to try to live life under your own terms and just try to do things for him without him? You don't have to do that. So we're gonna sing this simple chorus. We've been singing it quite a bit during this series. It's easy and as your response, if that's you, I just want you, you can sit, you can stand. I want you to respond in some way, hands out, hands on your heart, whatever it is and I want you to sing these words to him. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here in my life, and ask for him to come fill you and teach you what it means to be friends. Let's respond to him together. Let's sing this in Jesus' name.